Hello and welcome to another episode of the 60O Podcast. My name is Tom Campbell. Great to have your company. Seebs, you and I have been meaning to do this episode for a long time now, uh, but we've had about 40,000 club reviews to get through over the past couple of months. But this episode is all about you and your brother and playing for Germany. So I just want to start off with, first of all, how did the Germany selection come up for yourself and your brother, who I think also played as well? Yeah, mate. So it's it's a cool it's a cool story, mate. Like, so I'm very very lucky um, to to be a part of um, yeah, playing playing for Germany and and being a part of getting things kicked off over there. So, but basically, um, my my grandfather was born in Germany. He grew up in a small village called Vilsack, um, and it was actually a after the war it became a, an American army base. And when my granddad got to about twenty. Um, so it was about 10, almost 10 years after the Second World War, he uh, made the decision to come over to Australia and, um, yeah, set up life over here and, and get away. And um, so that's where the German heritage comes from. So, you know, Pop moved over, he, he met my nan and um, had three kids and and obviously the rest is history. Um, as far as then um, getting the opportunity to play for, for Germany goes, well, Myself and my brother, obviously, you know, being Central Queensland boys, grew up playing every sport, rugby league and cricket were our were our passions. And um, my brother was very lucky and, and very talented and got opportunities to go a hell of a lot further than what I ever could have. And um, when he was playing over in the Super League, so he, he debuted for the Raiders, went over to the Super League after that and was playing for the London Broncos. And in his second year, there was a, a couple of things that got put in place by the British government uh, around passports and working visas, um, where if you were a European citizen, you were able to work um, without a, a visa in um, the UK. So with my granddad's heritage, we can get German passports or we could get German passports. So Anthony got um, a German passport, which um, allowed him to, to not be a quota player um, in the Super League for the London Broncos for that particular season. When he was there, someone got wind of um, the fact that he was playing on a German passport and there was a story written that was basically uh, meet Anthony Seibold, the, the first ever um, Super League player to have German heritage. The first ever German Super League player was the basis of the story. Someone over in Germany read it, got hold of him, sent him an email and and that's sort of where that um communication started so that was it this would have been 1999 i think um and that was when german rugby league was just starting so it was one of the guys that was in, involved in it Cy cooper um so is a he's a legend he grew up in leeds he's got german um, heritage himself he moved as a man to live in germany um and, and had a family unfortunately size passed away now but um, so I was the one that um, was a big part of kicking off German rugby league and touch base with Anthony to begin with. Anyway, one thing led to another. Anthony got injured. Um, he moved back to Australia and sort of we didn't really hear anything um, from this guy, you know, apart from the odd email for years. And then 2007 or eight, uh, I think it was 2007, um, out of the blue, he, he got in touch with Anthony again because Anthony was back over playing there. Um, in in the UK, he was playing for Hull KR at the time, 
and got in touch and said, mate, would you um, be willing to help us with some training? Uh, we'll send us some drills and skills over the next few months while you're over here. And look, if you get a chance to pop over and, and run a training session, awesome. If not, don't worry about it. And then Anthony said, look, when are you playing? Um, I'd love to make myself available for, for selection to play. And then so I was playing um, for Rocky Brothers. He said, so so I come back and said, yeah, mate, like if you're keen to play, um, we'll get you in. He said, okay, well, my brother, he's playing a little bit of state league. He plays um, Rocky Brothers at the moment in the, in the Rocky comp. Um, he's certainly up to it. You know, are you interested in him coming to play as well? So that was the first time that they, they then reached out to me about playing. Um, we had, I, I couldn't go that first time. So we had just had our, um, our son, so we had a little baby, just couldn't, you know, drop everything and head over to Europe for a month. And, um, so I, I missed out, but Anthony went and played and he played against Estonia. So it was really a rag. The rugby, the rugby, like, the rugby league powerhouse known as Estonia. Yeah, <laughs> but, and, and I'll get, I'll get to it. The thing that, and everyone has a laugh, and I had a laugh too, and the thing that would shock you is the level of footy. It is so much better than what you thought, like what you think it's going to be. Excluding Estonia, they were rubbish. <laughs> right. So anyway, um, I think, so this is like how early on it was with international, not necessarily international rugby league expanding, but Germany being a part of it. So there's about 42 countries that play international footy now. At the time, I think Germany became the 20th or 21st international sanctioned international rugby league side, so right. official national rugby league. Um, and they went over, they had a squad of 17, that was including Anthony. Someone got crook and pulled out, so they were down to 16. And then um, another, when they got over there, someone got injured or something happened and, and they might have got injured in the captain's run the day before. So the squad was down to 15. So the guy who was coaching, so Cy Cooper was a player. He'd actually played in Leeds growing up. So he was a decent footballer himself. He was playing. The guy that was coaching, um, Uwe, um, he would have been in his 40s and didn't have an ounce of athletic ability in his body. He ended up sitting on the bench to play, to make up numbers. And then there's a set of brothers called the Kind Horse Brothers, and they're actually in the um, Guinness World Book of World Records, the Kind Horse Brothers. They're from Leeds in England. Um, Jimmy Kind Horse has played 200 Super League games for, for Leeds and, and Hull. Um, he played in a Challenge Cup, a, World, a Wembley final. Um, he's won Super League final. So, you know, this guy went on to play at that level for such a long time. His three older brothers were playing for Germany at the at the time, and they were really good footballers themselves. And um, he was, I think, Jimmy was sixteen, or might have even been fifteen. They said, "Look, we're short. Do you want to throw a jersey on and sit on the bench, and you get a chance to to have your first ever game of footy with your three older brothers?" He said, "Yeah, no worries." Jimmy went out, and I think he scored a hat trick. Right. <laughs> yeah. So straight away, it was Anthony said, "Oh." You know, they're good. These Conhorse brothers are good. They really surprised me at how, how good they were. You know, a couple of them probably shouldn't be playing at a, a professional level. He said, but their little brother's a freak. And, <laughs> yeah, so Jimmy, he went on, and that was one of his first ever games of footy because growing up in Leeds, where they were, their dad was a lecturer at, um, at a uni in Leeds. So they played 
not by choice, they were sort of stuck playing a lot of rugby union growing up. And then they couldn't really play too much league until they got to about 15. So Jimmy, it was one of his first ever games of league. Anyway, so yeah, that that was that was that year. So basically to start with, Anthony got to go and see Estonia, a country that as if you're ever going to go and visit Estonia out of the blue. So and had those experiences. They they asked me then a couple of times to to come over and play after that. And then the first time I actually had the opportunity, you know, family wise and and was playing, you know, what was fit and playing decent enough footy where I thought, yeah, I'd be mad if I don't go, it was 2010. Um, so we went over for – Zoe came with me with my wife. We went over for, for a month, and the two games were – Anthony was coaching the Celtic Crusaders then. Um, so he was basically coaching the reserve grade for the Celtic Crusaders, who were a team that went into the Super League for a couple of years. A lot of guys from Rocky end up playing for them um, as well, or guys who, who live in Rocky now, like Darren Mapp, Ian Webster. Um, oh, there, there, there was a heap of them that went over and played. Luke Dyer come and lived here for for a little bit. Neil Wyatt, another Rocky boy, who all of these guys have played NRL and they end up playing for the Super League side. And their reserve grade side um, was called the South Wales Scorpions. And Anthony was head coach of that side. He was meant to come and play for Germany. They made it through to a round of um, a knockout comp, a comp that they didn't think they would. So he unfortunately couldn't come and play the first game um, with me that we thought we were going to play, which was against Serbia. Um, so anyway, we booked it all, planned it. Me and Zoe thought, you know what, stuff it. You only live once. We've got this opportunity to see the world, play a bit of footy and experience some stuff. I flew, we flew over. And we flew into Serbia and the, the plan was to meet the side. They were a bit vague with me. So they, especially going into Serbia, it was like, oh, our second game against the Czech Republic is in Germany. We'll actually have like a full three or four day camp before that. But the Serbian game, we just, we all, we have to be in Serbia. We have to be at Belgrade. But I think the game was at 4 p.m. on Saturday afternoon. Um. We need just to be there by before four o'clock on Thursday after so that we could have a, a run that up, another quick run Friday, and then play on Saturday. I'm thinking, oh, this is a bit strange. Or, you know, Anthony told me, he said, you know, it's it's better than you think it's going to be. And I started looking and doing a bit of um, you know, the history of different rugby league teams and countries and things like that, which I'll, I'll get into in a minute. But you know, okay, this is really strange until um, we landed in Belgrade and it's 2010. So you've got to think that's 14 years ago, which is a longer distance in time from when the, the war over there finished. So it finished around 2002. So yeah. it's basically eight years since that conflict finished and, and me and Zoe are landing in, a, in an airport in Serbia that was like a shed. And looking around thinking, holy shit, what's going on here? Um, it just gave you that really uneasy feeling. It was like, um, gave me a little bit of, um, and again, I don't want to be disrespectful, but going from the airport into the city of the centre of Belgrade, it just had a, um, the best way to explain it is like Borat when the when he was in <laughs> Kazakhstan in the villages. That's yes. just what it looked like. Yeah. So, We've gone in, and then as soon as you get to the center of Belgrade, it's like um, 
the the couple of suburbs around the CBD are really um, war torn. So there's bullet holes in in buildings still. There was you know big holes in buildings where bombs had gone off. You could see where mines had been. I've got a photo where we went for a walk to a park and it's a big sign and it says basically walk here at your own risk because they'd swept for mines, but they couldn't guarantee that there weren't um, any any mines still sitting in the in the ground there. Yeah. And then you get, all of a sudden you get to the, the centre of Belgrade and it's like the centre of Paris had been just plonked straight in the middle of, of Belgrade. It was absolutely beautiful. It was one of the most beautiful cities I've ever been to. Um, so it was cool just seeing that. Then we went and had training and I met the boys. I'd reached out to a few of them. We'd spoken to each other. And the first thing that um, that shocked me was it was no different to any bloke who had grown up in a rugby league heartland who's throwing the footy around with each other from you know being a kid. They all had good skills. They all had good catch and pass. Uh, their contact was awesome. Uh, they're very, very brave, very tough blokes, the, the German guys were. The only thing that they were lacking was a little bit of that footy knowledge, The you know, that without thinking about it, that second nature, understanding a game and managing a game and, um, yeah, just being being aware of, of rugby league and the really the fine details of it. So that's sort of where we were able to help us. You know, myself, Anthony, when he played, the the Kind Horse Brothers, growing up with with that background and playing a lot of um, yeah, a lot of footy, it made a big difference. So we played against um, Serbia, and Serbia had just done a deal with Whitehaven um, in in England, and basically Whitehaven were going over and picking out their three or four best players and the most athletic or the most skillful, taking them over and you know hoping that one or two of them um, come good. One of them ended up playing um, a fair bit of championship, which is second division in, in England. Actually, a few of them did, but one of them was legitimately a really good footballer. But the Serbs were, I'll send you some photos, they were full of gear. There was no <laughs> drug testing before the game at all. They were, like, enormous. Like, it was, they were just ooze sweating steroids. It was ridiculous. So they, they beat us. I think Germany had never got within 60 of them. And I think we, we ended up losing, what, 42, 20, something like that. But I, I remember we got it back really close. We were a chance of winning. And then, you know, we might have been in a, in a position to score to make it 30. I think more, I think it would have made it 34, 28. We must have lost 40 to 22. We bombed it, didn't take our chance. They basically went the length, scored. And, you know, the, the score there looked a little bit worse than what it was. Can so I just ask that. you, first of all, these, these games, are they part of a World Cup qualification stage? Like, yeah, is they, the... they are. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, so that was called the European Championship. So right. Ian Webster is a good mate of mine. Ian Webster, played. he's played a million internationals for Wales, played at a World Cup for Wales and Four Nations for Wales. So he'd gone over and he'd played the previous, I think it was uh, not, must have been the previous year he'd gone over and played because Serbia won that European Championship, Wales won the um, their version of it, and then basically it was a crossover, and the winner made up the last spot in um, the the next four nations. Right. So that's how close it is to playing at that. You know, we won two games, and all of a sudden we're having to ring the Drinkwater Brothers and Gallon and a few blokes that had German heritage, thinking we need to get some players. You know, we're going to lose by a million. Yeah. Um, so it's that's just to give you an idea, or anyone who's listening, an idea of 
it's not as far away from that top level. Yes, the standard is, and, and we, we played Australia, we'd lose by 100. Well, Russia played Australia and lost by 100. Yeah. I played in a game where um, we drew with Russia. So we lost, we lost by two to Russia a few years later. So that just gives you an idea of, right. of the standard and where it's at. But, um, yeah, so anyway, we had to win. Basically, you have to go through undefeated to, to go through to that next phase. And that year, the winner of that European Championship, so that was us, Italy, Serbia, and the Czech Republic were the four teams in our division. And if we won that, we would have gone through and played in a round robin with Wales, Ireland, Scotland, Lebanon. And then the top three teams, I think, from that then qualified for the next World Cup. Right. But because we lost that first game, we were automatically out. Right. Um, so anyway, when we've gotten to Serbia, I jumped around a bit there. We got to Serbia and met the boys, went to training. You know, everything was cool. Went out and had dinner and it was good to get to know everyone. As I said, I'd, you know, I'd spoken to a fair few of them over the time. On game day, I really started looking into a few things because we were playing in a, a smaller venue it was you know there, it was a few thousand capacity but there was we were driving home from dinner the night before and right in the middle of belgrade there was a giant billboard advertising this game of footy i'm thinking i don't, wouldn't even know what rugby league is and I was, then i started looking deeper and deeper i'd already looked at a few things and basically the serbs have had a, a full national rugby league competition for decades right going all the way back to yugoslavia um so they, they were really in a good position. And that's why Serbia have always been fairly competitive and they've always made it through to the finals of these playoffs to make it to the Four Nations or playoffs to make it to um, World Cups because they've actually got a core base of blokes who know footy. So they're not getting many recruits in or, or overseas guys in to play you know, on passports. They're actually homegrown, born and bred Serbs, playing in the, the local comp. Um, and to give you an idea, I, I would say that that game, that first game I played, would have been the equivalent of uh, so both sides would have would have would have been like a fringe CQ A grade finals footy side, if that right. makes sense. So if right. they entered into the, if either of those sides entered into the the local A grade comp, they would. They'd be pushing to make this, you know, they'd be thereabouts to make the semis. Right. If if that gives you an idea of the standard and 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 what sort of footy it was. It got better rapidly, though. It did get better really quickly. Um, but on game day, we've turned up to this this stadium and um the there was no other girls there. And Zoe started sort of thinking, oh, I thought, you know, a few of the players' wives or girlfriends would have traveled over and got a bit of a holiday out of it. They're like, no, nah, the, the girls were dodging this one. They're all going to meet in Germany for, for the next game. So you'll get to meet everyone there and have a bit of fun with them. And then our manager come down and, and said to, to Zoe, like just as we were starting to go into the shed to warm up, I was like, oh, um, look, we don't, we've had a chat. We don't really feel comfortable, Zoe, you sitting in the grandstand on your own um, because Serbia were due to play Germany in the Soccer World Cup that next must have been two days later and they're full like you know they're soccer over there they're full lunatics 
And she said, so we just didn't feel comfortable. You sitting in a crowd, they're expecting a couple of thousand people to come, cheering for Germany, being the only one cheering for Germany in the crowd. Look, would you mind each team, um, th- there's meant to be a doctor on the venue at the venue for the game to be, you know, a proper international rugby league feature, but each team gets allocated a, a doctor and a, a doctor's allowed to be on the sideline. Do you want to pretend you're a doctor? And Zoe's gone, yeah, I'll pretend I'm the team doctor. I've got, I've got photos of her wearing like the official international rugby league team doctor shirt. That meant that she had the accreditation to sit on the sideline, <laughs> sideline with the side. It's um yeah, little things like that which which were crazy. But the 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 referee that come over and did it, he was um he come and introduced himself. He was a Pommy guy. And he said, Oh, I just thought I'd come and introduce myself. I actually um, you know, I referee your brother's um side in Wales last weekend and um we were chatting and you know, he I said to him that I was coming to do this and he said, Oh, my brother's playing, make sure you sing out. So, you know, the proper refs, refs from a high level. It's proper officiating. It was all it's it sanctioned. was all legit. Yeah, it's all sanctioned, but it was just very early on in the growth of international footy and it was something that was so cool. So we went from that and I'm thinking, okay, well, that was a hell of a lot tougher than I thought it was going to be. Um, I did think to myself in the back of my mind, you know what? I'd love to play these guys one more time because I reckon we'd beat them. Um, there was a couple of things that give me a indication that they had a little bit of quit in them if it got tough. Um, so I sort of banked that in the back of my mind. We went a couple of weeks later, we played the Czech Republic in Germany. And we won. So to give you an idea, right, I said Australia would have beat us by 120. We beat the Czech Republic 92-0. Right. It's not great. That's how ordinary. And they had a full squad. That's how ordinary they were. They were terrible. Absolutely terrible. Just on the Serbian team, I'll put up a few photos as this as this video goes on as well, but yeah. I have seen a couple of photos of some of the guys there. They are juiced to the gills. Uh, yeah. All of them just absolutely juiced. Not all, not all of them. Right. No, but as a general rule, they, yeah, they were like, even their hooker, he was about four. He was really good too, actually. He was about five foot two and six foot three wide. He <laughs> yeah. was just like that. He made yeah. like, like a little Brad Drew type nugget frame, but 10 times bigger. Right. The, was um, there, so there was, was that. Was there a stage oh, where you and your brother both played for Germany together at the same time? No. So that, that was that game against Serbia was going to be the only time because the next the game against the Czech Republic he had a fixture on right right okay whereas yeah. that that one against um against Serbia they didn't have anything on and yeah. they weren't anticipating like he had given them no chance of making it through to the round of this knockout comp yeah that they were in and they just kept winning and so they made it through to that that round so he yeah, he couldn't come and play so we okay. didn't get a chance to play. Germany together, which which was a shame. So from the Czech Republic, wh- what happens then? So then, anyway, mate, like I said, we'd lost that first game. I was never able to stay long enough. So that was already a month we were over in Europe for. Um, I couldn't stay any longer because the, the next game was against Italy in Italy. Right. Uh, but it was like another three weeks later. Yep. So I couldn't, I couldn't stay. And then I didn't feel any remorse at all then because we'd lost the first game. So it's not like... It was oh, over. Shit, I'm leaving for a chance to, to still scrape through here. 
because we knew that there were some good footballers that were going to be able to make themselves available um, if if we had progressed through to the next stage. But, yeah, it just didn't pan out. And then um, a couple of years later, I went back and got the chance to play against Serbia again, and we ended up beating them with a, a field goal, like, on the hooter, um, which was it was a cool experience. They'd really pumped it up. We got a really big crowd in Germany, actually. it was, And when I say really big crowd, it was, like, you know, there was two or 3,000 people there. But for a, a, a soccer-mad country who no rugby union and don't know the difference between rugby union and rugby league, like, it was enormous. So they played, we played in a big uni town. And because we, we won, that night was unbelievable. It was one of the best nights out I've ever had. They, um, there was a lot of expats, a lot of um, Kiwis, South Africans uh, and Aussies that were living in the, the big uni town, like, studying there has a good opportunity to see the world, do some study, but live somewhere random. And so they all knew footy. They all came down. And that night, they just made it the best atmosphere at a couple of the pubs and clubs that we went to. It was so cool. As part of the German team, uh, how many people were actual people living in Germany at the time? Or yeah, like, so um, the, first, the first time... Um, so the first time I went over, there was myself from Australia. There was the Kinehorse brothers. So that was there was only three of them that could play from from England, so from Leeds. There was another guy, a fullback that was playing in Championship Two. Uh, Paulie was his name. He came over and played as well. So what's that? Four, five. So there was five of us um, that weren't living in Germany um, that that came to play the first time. And then the second time was it was similar. It was um, there was the three of the Kind Horse brothers. There was me and another guy from Australia this time though. So it was five of us again. The rest were all German boys. And the difference in um, playing ability and skills from the first time to the second time was enormous. So they'd really you know done a lot of work. Sorry, there was six. Dan Stocks was coaching us. So Dan Stocks, again, he played um, lower grades for London Broncos and, and played a lot of footy for London Scholars, which is a, a well-known team over the, in England. Um, he was our coach and he played as well the first time around. The second time I went over, his body had broken down on him and he was coaching us. Um, but what we did was between Dan, myself and Anthony, and then by this stage, Jimmy Kindhorse was 19, so he was really, you know, it was obvious that he was he could do whatever he wanted to. He was starting to get noticed by Super League clubs and, and playing lower levels there. So after that is when 2012 was the second time I went over. Um, so basically Jimmy played for Germany in July and then a month later he played, uh, he, was, he played in the uh, Challenge Cup final at Wembley for Leeds in front of 90,000 people. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's pretty so that, cool. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that was pretty cool to see how far Jimmy came along as well. And as I said, we left a lot of staff drills and skills and handbooks and things like that there for them to try and progress it. The second time I went, I well, I'll get if we got in five more minutes. There's a couple of stories from the second time I went over which are funny, um, interesting. The um, so yeah, that that was the first time. It was a great experience. You know, it was good to be able to share it with Zoe as well. 
see where Pop was from, spend some time in Germany. You know, I'd lived over in London with Anthony when I was real young. Um, but to actually, you know, be a bit older and travel around and have my wife there, it was it was really cool. And then the second time I went back, it was to qualify for the knockouts to make the 2015 World Cup. No, what would it have been the – yeah, 2015? Was that – I think it was 2015 or 2013. 2013. 2013 yeah. Because yeah. it was 2012 I went. So, yeah, if we won that, we, we went through and played in the playoff to make that last spot. Yeah. And um, that yeah, was against we, Russia. We over, that was where we played Russia and Serbia. Uh, and Italy were the yep. four teams that it came down to. Yeah. Italy won because that was then that World Cup where Tedesco, Minicello, uh, they all played for Italy in the World yep. Cup. So yep. we were in that pool before it with Italy to make it through. Yeah. Um, and then um, of Malta, actually Malta were in our pool as well. Right. Um, got, remember a guy called Jared Samet? He played for Penrith, used to have bleach blonde hair. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, he, he was playing for Malta. But the um, the second time we went back, like they really were keen for me to get back and, and play, but also do it because I was starting to do a bit of coaching by then. So they wanted to try and, you know, get me to do some coaching clinics and things like that. And um, the guy then who was looking after German Rugby League, Uwe Janssen was, is his name, he, um, he spoke to me. He said, look, if you can come over early, I'll put you up you know, at my place um, so that I can take you to a few different places around um, where we're going to run some coaching clinics and, and want you to help try and you know, develop some players and give them some skills and, and help some coaches um, you know, upskill them. We've jumped on. So I got there, travelled to Heidelberg was the name of the place um, I went to. He's come and picked me up from the train station, got back to his place. This was just bizarre. I've walked, he was a, he's a lovely bloke, so I don't want to misconstrue this anyway. He's a really genuinely lovely bloke. Taking me to his place, walked in, met his wife, um, he said, oh, look, we'll show you your room. You're going to have a whole space to yourself. You know, it's only a couple of nights, and then we know you're going in with the, with the boys into the motel anyway for the games. Um, walked in to show me the room, and there was a giant framed poster of Hitler. I was sitting there thinking, holy <laughs> shit, what have I just walked into here? So I've asked him, could I use the internet? Just let mum and dad and my wife know that I'd arrived <laughs> I've got straight on to dad, send him an email. Dad, can you please ring Pop and see, like, if this is normal, is there anything to worry about? Because <laughs> apparently it's illegal illegal to have any Hitler Absolutely. Uh, or, or Nazi memorabilia up on display. Yeah. So I'm thinking, oh, I'm walking. And then it was a cat, like, they were like cat people. There was about six cats in the house as well. So I'm thinking, oh, I hope I can survive a couple of nights. But just anyway, finally, yeah, just finally. Just finally, we've just got a couple of minutes left. Was there ever a moment going over there that you felt, apart from that one, that you felt worried? Because you, you, it was a couple of you know worn, torn areas and um, yeah, pretty so scary places. I've jumped all over the place a little bit here. There's the second time around, footy wise. So in 2012, went and did the coaching clinics. It was really cool. One of the places we did it was actually right on the border of Germany and France. And there was a lot of history there about that's where the Germans attacked France. So it was really interesting to see all that sort of stuff. It was cool to see 
people who just wanted to learn a new sport. I learned that when I was there, they've been playing professional rugby league in Germany. Uh, sorry, professional rugby union in Germany for almost a hundred years. People wouldn't realize that. There's a Bundesliga. So Bundes in Germany is the elite level professional sport. There's a Bundesliga um, rugby union competition over there. So that's where we started to get better. We were recruiting and poaching a lot of the union players who had grown up. They had that really good skill set, silky smooth, pass left and right, good kicking game, awareness of, of footy. So we started poaching a lot of those guys and that's how things started to, to grow and get a little bit better. And that's why we were better the second time around. Like we'd stolen the former German Rugby Union um, captain who was a prop, who was an animal. He'd played um, first division rugby union in in the Europe European League, um, which is like, you know, the uh, Bath and London Wasps, et cetera. So anyway, there was um, that, that was pretty cool footy-wise. Serbians, like I said to you before, I knew that if we went hard at them, they were probably going to go to water, and they did. And that's we end up we end up beating them just by really trying to get a little bit physical and in their head. Um, there's a good photo I sent here. We tried to do the same thing against Russia. They were tough, tough human beings. We found out later they were all um, either military or ex-military, and they did it as part of um, you know, a bit of extra training and things like that. And the harder you went at them, the harder they went back at you. And it it was the only time. Over there, footy-wise, where I've gone, oh, shit, what have I got myself into? There's a photo I'll send you where I got spear tackles. Anyway, the first time I went um, with Zoe, we'd gone out the night after the game, had a great night. We were full, like had, had a ball. Um, so we're in the middle of Belgrade and managed to get our, our way from one of the pubs or well, venues, it was a club we went to. We walked through like this old decrepit building. It was like a movie. We walked through three or four would have been like three or four giant rooms and it was like it was all run down warehousey type and then all of a sudden we've walked out and it's opened up into this massive big venue um it was yeah it was bizarre it was like something you'd see in a movie anyway we were blind had a huge night got back most of us were flying out really early the next morning and um like boys do we've got back to the reception area or where we were staying and we were blind like tackling each other and carrying on and Zoe started to like really get a bit twitchy and kicking me and said, boys, 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 boys. Um, it was, it didn't take any notice of that. And then she got real serious and said, boys, please stop. And we've looked over and there was a guy just standing in the shadows with a machine gun like that. He pointed straight at us. We're sitting there thinking, oh, holy shit. It, it shot 10 or 12 really drunk footballers up very quick. That's the only time that I really got scared that something, you know, something might happen. We shit ourselves, went to our room, asked the question the next morning. Apparently, that was just security. We had a machine gun, though. Right. So that was, yeah, that was that was weird. Oh, and I did get abused and um, a bloke, an old fella, chased me at the supermarket just before the game in Serbia because he thought I was American and told right. me to go back to America, you American scum. <laughs> Oh, very good. I had a pair of thongs on with an Aussie flag, so I was like, "What am I trying?" So no, I'm not. I'm not American. Uh, this deserves a part two with your brother one day. I think a lot of great stories in there. Steve, thank you so much for sharing some of them. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, mate. This has been the 60O podcast, and that is full time. <laughs>